Welcome to Theology Matters, a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. This podcast is a ministry of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. I'm your host, Pastor Nick Boothman. With me today is Pastor Jay Riggleman, Senior Pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. Welcome, Pastor Jay. Thanks, Nick. It's good to be back with you again. So on October 7th of this year, 2023, Hamas gunmen carried out a surprise attack on southern Israel, crossing over from Gaza through nearby communities. They killed initially 1,200 people, mainly civilians, and took over 240 hostages back to Gaza, according to um, Israeli tailies. Hamas military commander urged Palestinians everywhere to fight. And the Israeli prime minister said is Israel is at war. And uh, so they declared war. And since then, last couple months, there's been uh, reports of the death toll being over 15,000. There's been much talk uh, throughout our country, but also in the Christian realms about how we should view not only this conflict, but how should we respond to Israel in general? So that leads me up to our topic today, Pastor Jay, which is how should Christians respond to the situation in Israel? Well, Nick, you've kind of given some details to how I was going to start, but um, we are barraged daily with reports and uh, opinions about events in the Middle East from media outlets of all political persuasions. And there aren't any really easy answers. I I want our listeners to know, however, that there are some biblical perspectives uh, that we should be maintaining as we seek to minister in this complex environment that we find our world in, especially as believers. So there are several things that I I think uh, we should be remembering and highlighting today as it relates to the scriptures and Christians in our relationship with Israel. Absolutely. So why don't you begin? What, how should Christians respond to the situation in Israel and the, uh, the people of Israel in general? Well, first of all, we need to be uh, mindful of the fact that Israel is very special to God. Uh, Christians should definitely support the nation of Israel uh, because of that special relationship that they have with God. Uh, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 7, 6 through 8, it says this, God talking about Israel, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that you brought, he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and from the power of the Pharaoh of the king of Egypt. So these are very uh, specific and distinct words about the special relationship that God has with Israel. Uh, Psalm 135 also says this, For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. Uh, So right away, we we see right from early on in Scripture, right from the beginning, um, that God has chosen Israel uh, to have a special place uh, in his heart and in his plan. Very good. So uh, your first point, we Christians should support the nation of Israel because the people— um, 
in the Bible are important to God. A lot of the fighting and disagreement um, in the Middle East and and, uh, when we think about Israel is over the land. Who owns the land? And there's um, much disagreement about that, and it's it's led to many conflicts and wars. Um, so, how do you view that? Who who has the right to the land? If if I can ask that question, or how how, how should we view the land that uh, the the conflict is over? Yeah, and when you look on a a map or on a globe, or look it up on your computer, you realize how small that that parcel of land really is in comparison to other countries, you know, China and India, uh, and even the United States. And and you you say, why is this land always in such conflict and in the news so often? Well, because it's it's been a battle that's been going on for centuries. Um, But there is uh, some debate, there's some uh, discrepancy as to um, who the land really belongs to. And for us as Christians, if we are going to adhere to the scriptures, we must realize that the land was given to Israel by God. It's, it's clearly stated in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, um, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So God had a land that he was going to give to Abraham as part of the forming of the nation of Israel. That was part of the promise. And in Genesis fifteen seven, it says, He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So again, talking to Abraham. So the land was given by God uh, to, uh, to Abraham as a part of his everlasting covenant that started with Abraham and that was also conclu- or continued with Isaac and with Jacob. So I would say as Christians, uh, again, if we believe in the authority of Scripture, we affirm that the Bible itself uh, is the Jewish people's land deed to Israel. Uh, that's where it really goes back to. That's where you kind of get the authority and rights to the land and the Bible itself. And I would also say uh, we don't condone every decision that modern and in many cases secular Israel and their leaders have made, but we do support Israel's right to exist because of God's unconditional promises in his land or in his word that are directly connected to that actual piece of land in the Middle East. It belongs to Israel because of God. Thank you, Pastor Jay. So you talked a little bit about the people. What does the Bible say about the people of Israel? Talk a little bit about the land that God has promised them. Both are helpful pieces. Does the Bible say anything on our response? If if we're supposed to take sides, if I can use that language. Um, and I ask that because there if you, a listener, if you've been, uh, you know, reading the news or listening or watching the news, there's been a lot of conflict in America, especially on college campuses. And a lot of people are being very aggressive on both sides about who to support and who not to support. Uh, so does the Bible speak to us about how we should, we should respond to Israel? Yes, it does, Nick. And you're right that the uh, the conflict that's recently taken place has highlighted uh, again just the hatred for the Jewish people that seems to be growing uh, not only uh, around the world but also in our own country 
And it's been stated very clear by Hamas that they uh, desire to um, just eliminate the Jewish people. So there's a lot of that negative um, press out there as it relates to the Jewish people. And does that really matter? Um, you know, does it really matter if there's a group that's being harassed? Well, on a human level, on a dignity level, surely it does. But for us as believers, it goes even beyond that. We can't be neutral when it comes to how we treat the people of Israel or how we view how they're being treated. Because something else that's also very clear in Scripture that is this, that God has promised to bless those who bless Israel. There is a cause and effect um, promise in the scriptures as it relates to the nation of Israel. So another reason for Christians to support the nation of Israel is because all the way back again to the Abrahamic covenant. Part of the covenant promise that God made to Abraham and the Jewish people is found in Genesis 12, 2-3, where it says, I will make you into a great nation, Israel, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Then it goes on to say, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And that last phrase there, we'll talk about it in a few moments here, but the idea is it's very clear. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. This is a, um, a promise made from God, and he keeps his promises. And I would say one of the most worthwhile accomplishments that the United States has uh, consistently been involved in um, for a long time is their uh, consistent regard for the plight of the Jewish nation. Um, no nation in the history of the world has a better record of treating individual Jews with respect than does America, even in light of what we're seeing in our country. The United States has been very supportive of Israel, and I believe that some of the blessings just even the general blessings that we have uh, received as uh, United States uh, citizens and as a country are related to the fact that we are um, supporting um, the people of Israel and we're being blessed by God because of it. Absolutely. Um, some might be listening and have a different view on how we look at the Bible and some of those things and might push back a little bit and say, the church is actually now Israel. So these promises you're talking about um, and the blessings are actually spiritual and they're not physical blessings. So when God has promised them a land, well, um, our land is going to be in heaven. Like it's not that actual land, but it, that, that land is in heaven and um, with the other promises as well. What would you say about that? Well, I think that um, the Bible makes it really clear over and over again that God promises a future restoration of Israel. And I believe that this is a literal restoration, not just a spiritual restoration. It certainly um, will come through uh, the reign of Jesus Christ. Um, but there is a difference between Israel and the church and the promises that God has made to each of those and how they will be restored. And I, I also... I agree with a certain perspective of those who hold this um, uh, dichotomy between, or actually they combine Israel and the church, uh, the fact that Israel has been disobedient, has been re rebellious. Uh, they have rejected Christ for the most part. Uh, but that does not uh, negate or uh, eliminate the promises that God has made. 
Like I said, the Old Testament contains a numerous, numerous prophecies about a future literal restoration of Israel. If you read through Isaiah and Jeremiah, you'll see it over and over again where, where they're being judged um, for their sin at that moment and God's bringing in uh, somebody to, to kind of judge them and to deal with their sin. Sometimes he's even removed them from the land. But then it, each of those prophets comes back over and over again to the fact that there'll be a remnant. Uh, there'll be a restoration. And it's not just spiritual. It's the actual land as well. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, there's a few verses uh, from here that I'd like to read. That's part of this restoration uh, promise. And they read like this. Uh, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. That means after their time of judgment is up. I will put my law into their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So again, this is pr primarily talking about that spiritual aspect, but that has not happened yet. These things in these verses, have not happened. But then there are other places in the Old Testament where it talks about you, you will return to the land and, and you will receive the blessings of the land. Uh, I want our listeners to hear this very clearly from me. Israel has a place in God's future end times plan. Uh, he will keep his literal land promises to Israel. He will keep his spiritual covenant with Israel. And Israel and the church are not the same thing. And because of that, it should matter to us what's happening in Israel right now. And we should continue to support the people of Israel and the land of Israel because God has not set them aside permanently. He will restore them. Promises made to Israel are still going to be kept in the future. Uh, and we can be sure that God will do this because of his character and consistency. He, he made these literal promises to Abraham and if he has just washed his hands of Israel, it, it kind of diminishes the character and a faithfulness of God. Um, the church does not replace Israel and should not expect a fulfillment of the promises of the old covenant as it relates to the actual land. Uh, as you, we read scripture, we must keep Israel and the church separate. And if we do, there will be a special place in a believer's heart for the people of Israel and the land of Israel. Very good. Another thing I believe you're going to speak about is uh, another piece to the puzzle of why we should care for Israel is they are, if you're a Christian, uh, that, that's, our, that's our family history. That's our roots. That's, yeah. And when we read the Bible and we're reading about uh, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, that, they were the people of God. So you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, Another way that we should respond to the situation is Israel, in Israel is to be reminded that we owe a debt of gratitude to Israel and the Jewish people. In speaking to a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, and uh, for those of you that know your Bibles, uh, the, the relationship between Jews and Gentiles was very strained. Um, and so Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, and he says in verse 22 of John chapter 4, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And that phrase, salvation is from the Jews, what exactly does that mean? Well, Jesus was asserting to her that the Jews hold a pivotal role in God's redemptive plan. God chose them to be the people through whom the Messiah came to earth. 
Um, the declaration, salvation is from the Jews, uh, again, suggests our immeasurable debt to Israel. All that we have worth having has come to us through the Jews, if you really think about it. Now, some may be listening going, I don't like that statement. Well, hang with me here. Believers, um, our Bible, the roots of our Bible, where is it from? The Jews. Jesus Christ, our Savior, he was Jewish. So from eternity past, God knew uh, that he would, that Jesus would be, need to be born into the human race in order to save us from our spiritual deadness. And God also knew and planned that from the beginning that Jesus would come through the line of a very small nation or race of people called the Jews. And God tells us from early on how he created and distinguished and preserved that race in order for us to have the Messiah. The ultimate goal of God's choice of the Jews as his children uh, people was to produce the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would be our Savior. And, and God first promised the Savior after Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, but then later he promised that it would come through the line of Abraham. When I was reading uh, the verses about the blessings that we should be remembering that those that bless Israel will um, be blessed. It says one of the promises to Abraham is that not only you'll get, uh, have a great nation and, and you, people will be blessed that bless you, but also from your line, all people will be blessed. What that is saying is through the line of Abraham would come Jesus Christ who would die for the sins of the world, not just for Jews. So that was a lot, by the way. That we, no, that, that's very good. And so somebody uh, might be listening to this podcast and come to the conclusion, okay, we're supposed to be team Israel. I get it. We're supposed to be for Israel. That's what side we're supposed to be on. Maybe that same person might come to the conclusion, well, if I'm pro-Israel, do I have to be anti-Arab or anti-whoever they're fighting against? How do you think through that perspective of how do I view the other side, they're, who they're uh, in war with in now, in the future? Should I hate them? Should I um, boo them? Like, what's the response right. to them? Yeah. And how do we, yeah, so how do we kind of mesh the, the, the desire for justice and our love for Israel uh, with who they're fighting and, and even the, uh, the civilians and the casualties that are taking place? And I'm going to make a simple statement, but, but I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but it, it's, it's the answer to some of this or answer to this part of the, our discussion. When we think about how do we treat the, the situation in Israel, how do we treat uh, the, Israel, the Jewish people and um, Palestinians and Arabs, we must remind ourselves that God loves both Jew and Arab. He does. Um, if, we, if we somehow convince ourselves that he doesn't, then we're, we're better than God, I guess, and that's a dangerous place to put ourselves. God loves Jews and Arabs equally. Um, for those of us who support Israel, we must remember that God is not against the Arabs, nor does he hate them. Um, is he against the violence? Is he against um, Hamas wanting to destroy Israel? Absolutely. But let's not lump everybody together. Um, God does not love the Jews and hate the Arabs. Uh, he loves all of his creation. Everybody that is in this conflict is made in the image of God. 
And he desires each one um, to be exposed to the gospel uh, and realize the love that Jesus Christ has for them. And so it's our responsibility to uh, be praying faithfully that God would reach both Jew and Arab in that, in that area with the gospel. Because ultimately, true peace, true ceasefire only comes through a heart change. And so I would also remind us that standing for Israel, or being a team Israel, as you would say, uh, standing for Israel does not require us to be anti-Arab in our stance and to be loveless towards other people. Uh, we, we, we must not oppose the Arab people as an entity, uh, nor do we, should we oppose the rights of Arabs living in, the, in Israel um, if they're doing it in a peaceful, a politically and secure way. Um, you know what I'm saying? So we have to be careful about that. Uh, the Arab people are, are an offspring of Ishmael, the other son of his chosen leader, Abraham. And though we may not understand all of this as far as the stance that we're supposed to take, we must remember that it's still um, clear in Scripture that through Jesus Christ, God loves Arabs and Jews. So I think you've done a good job of laying the foundation of your argument. Um, what are some practical applications? What, what can we take from what you've said and, and apply it to our lives and how we think about this whole issue? Well, I think, first of all, we should be praying. And I would like to leave our listeners with, uh, or not leave, but give them a few uh, prayer you know, items that they could put under that general category of praying for Israel. First of all, uh, they could pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's mentioned in Psalm 122 and verse 6. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And that word for peace in Hebrew is shalom, uh, which means to bring completion or to completion or wholeness. So as they're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, ultimately uh, they should be praying for the return of Jesus Christ and praying for God's plans to come to completion in that area, which would include the restoration of the people of Israel um, and that the Messiah would be revealed in the hearts of Jews and Arabs alike. So um, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, secondly, pray specifically for justice to be served uh, in that region, um, especially for some of the atrocities that have been um, perpetrated against innocent people and civilians. Thirdly, pray specifically for the salvation of Jews and Arabs alike. Uh, both of those uh, groups should be in our prayers as far as it relates to um, salvation. And then a fourth specific prayer request, pray for the safe release of all of the hostages. Continue to pray for that. So, first of all, practical application, number one, pray. Number two, we should support the protection of Jews around the world. As we have opportunities in conversation with people or just as we're just viewing things around the world and even social media, uh, we should be supporting um, protection of Jews, not just in that area, but in our country and around the world. Uh, be very pro-Jewish when it comes to their protection. Uh, thirdly, we should voice our displeasure over the rise of anti-Semitism in our country, especially on college campuses. Um, if we have opportunity 
please to uh, write to a campus leadership or for a nearby a, um, a, a campus where some of this is happening. We should voice our displeasure over what's happening. Um, it, the idea of the freedom of speech I get, but this has crossed the line in many of these campuses and the anti-Semitism has just risen and risen and risen. And, and as believers, we should not just stand by idly when we have opportunities to, um, to address that. And then one final practical application is that we should be um, supporting and uh, our government to, to continue to aid Israel as a strategic strategic ally in the Middle East, whether that's financial support, uh, bringing aid in with food and other things. We should be um, mindful of that, encouraging our, our state government and our federal government to continue to aid uh, Israel, uh, again, as a strategic ally in the Middle East. Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor Jay. Um, I think this this discussion is definitely um, time relative. It's it's applicable yeah. to the world we're living in. And we also, um, as we talked before about making this podcast and this episode of the podcast, that um, we're hoping this will be a good resource in the future too. I mean, a lot of these principles you've uh, given and the application as well uh, could be used in the future, even if we don't have the same exact situation going on. Yes, and you and I both know as we read through our our, our Bibles and, and talk about and, and think about uh, Israel and God's future plan that this won't be the last conflict, unfortunately. It, it will happen again, and it's actually going to increase and come to, uh, come to its uh, kind of its head uh, as you get to the end times, as the book of Revelation reveals, and, uh, and then Lord Jesus come. Lord Jesus come. That's a good uh, ending of our conversation. That's all the questions we have today on Theology Matters. It's a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. Please join us next time for our topic, Do Ghosts Haunt Us? That'll be, that'll be a good one. Mm, <laughs> all right. So we'll, we'll explore that next time. God bless. Thanks, Nick.